Welcome to season three of Marla by the Numbers, the podcast from the International Association of Fairs and Expositions with your host, Marla Calico, the president and CEO of the IAFE. Podcast number 18 is sponsored by ETIX. Today's guest is Greg Hartley of Hooch Blackwell Strategies, and the topic is two critical elements for developing impactful relationships with elected officials. Let's listen in. Welcome to Marla by the Numbers. I am so thrilled to have as our guest today, Greg Hartley. He is the CEO of Hush Blackwell Strategies, a lobbying firm in Washington, D.C., and now expanding into several other states. And we've had the privilege of working with Greg for a number of years. I first got to know him back when he was uh, working with uh, my representative, Roy Blunt. So we go back a long ways, and and he's done fabulous work now uh, as the official lobbying firm for OABA and consequently working for FAIRS. So Greg, welcome. And why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your background? Be glad to do that, Marlon. Glad to join you today. So I'm a Missourian, was raised in uh, Missouri and um, moved out here to the D.C. area in uh, December 1996. So I've been out here about 24 years. Um, you know, went to school at Missouri State University. It was named something else then uh, <laughs> when I went many years ago. Um, so obviously a big fan of the Ozark Empire Fair and the Missouri State Fair um, and have been to both many, many times, as you know. So our firm, Hush Blackwell Strategies, I have two partners in the firm. Andy Blunt is my key partner. And then Hush Blackwell LLP, a law firm that is based in Missouri now in 16 states. And actually, our, our lobbying firm is a little unusual. We're a national firm, but we're based in Jefferson City, Missouri. That's where our headquarters is. We have a federal operation, which I run. And then Andy Blunt coordinates um, our state legislative teams. And we're now in, or effective January 2nd, we'll be in seven states, including Missouri. So um, that's what we do. I'm the CEO. He's the COO, and Andy is. And uh, we have about 200 clients on any given days and about 40 employees. But we've been working for the Outdoor Amusement Business Association since June of 2014 on a lot of issues, including those that are parallel to those of state and county fairs. Absolutely. Well, thanks. Well, it certainly, again, has been a privilege to work with you and your team and what a great team you have. So as uh, the pandemic ensued and fairs were desperately clawing to stay alive, uh, we more acutely realized how important it is uh, for our member fairs to be engaged with their elected officials. We had tried over a number of years, of course, to get them engaged, particularly on issues of the H2B visa program uh, for our friends in the carnival industry. And we never seemed to get a lot of traction. And it became painfully evident to us uh, when the pandemic hit that we probably needed to do some work on helping our member fairs become better advocates. And I think now more than ever, it's just important that we understand how vital it is to communicate with our elected officials. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about that importance of working with elected officials and getting to know them? Well, so, you know, what we're going to talk about today really would apply to any elected official. So whether it's a mayor, a governor, a state legislator, somebody on the planning and zoning commission, uh, state treasurer, so 
having those relationships and knowing why you need those relationships, I think is important. Perhaps today, because you and I have been involved with both OABA and IAFE this year, working with members of Congress, I'll sort of automatically default to talking about relationships with members of Congress. But you know, why it's really important is because government affects everything we do as individuals, as a community, as a business, as not-for-profits, and generally it falls into one of two categories, either opportunity or risk. And it could be opportunity, you know, um, the state passes a new law providing for new resources for law enforcement. So we have the opportunity for our families to be safer. It could be an opportunity because they're willing to build a new road that will link, you know, two um, market areas together. So we have better businesses and better opportunity to buy goods, but it could also be risk. And it could be because um, government is getting ready to restrict some activity that we want to do and engage in. It could be because they want to tax us more. You know, there are all sorts of opportunities and risk. For some businesses, the opportunity is they get a chance to do business with government. And the risk could be is they pass a law that says some kind of activity that you've been dealing in as a business, you can no longer perform. And obviously during this last two years, as we've seen um, the impact of a pandemic, we understand that the risk could be that you know, our venues are shut, uh, our crowds are restricted, and those sort of things. So if we look at it that way, you know, we always should be doing things for our business or our not-for-profit organization that expands our opportunities and protects us from risk. You know, and I think probably by and large, we're pretty good on the opportunity side. What I think a lot of people do is fail to manage their government risk. You know, if, if you own a herd of cattle, you take out insurance so that if those cattle get hit by lightning or something, you've got some insurance coverage, right? And if you've got a truck that you're driving, you take out casualty property insurance on it so that if you wreck that truck, you're going to recover part of that loss. But what we don't do is things to manage our government risk. And so, you know, the first step in managing that risk is being able to voice your concerns about something uh, that is likely to happen that you think is negative and try to get it changed before that risk is realized. And the essence of that is those people that we elect to represent us, whether it's you know at, at the county commission or the city council or the state legislature or in the US Congress. And so if we've elected those people to do it, then they should be our advocates for things that we care about. And the only way they're going to know about what we care about is if we're talking to them and telling them about what we're concerned about and, and giving them our advice about what they should do to help us mitigate that risk. That, you know what, Greg, that, that way of explaining it probably made more sense to me than anything I've ever heard is that risk mitigation piece. And I don't know, um, I don't know that a lot of people have stopped to consider it from that way. It's a fabulous way of explaining it. So uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of tips, uh, actually expanded tips on how we can begin to get to know our elected officials to be prepared for opportunities and manage risk. But we're going to take just a tiny little break right at this moment for a message from our sponsor. 
Over 100 fairs across North America trust eTix as their total ticketing and marketing partner. Visit hello.etix.com to learn about cashless solutions for rising games, free custom websites, cash drawer management, and client support every step of the way. Hello.etix.com. We're back. My guest is Greg Hartley, the CEO of Hush Blackwell Strategies, the lobbying firm that works very closely with the Outdoor Amusement Business Association. And uh, by extension of that has been of great value to the IAFE and our member affairs. Greg, we've been talking about the importance of getting to know our elected officials so that we can be prepared for opportunities that will enhance our work, as well as to be prepared for the risk and to be involved when there might be legislation, well, albeit local, uh, state, federal, that would have some risk or damage to our business. So you've come up with some pointers based around the topic of engage and elevate. So let's drop into that. How do we engage? with our elected officials? So let's start out with two sort of precursors to that. The first is, you know, anything you're gonna do as a business person or a civic leader or an organizational leader, you know, you need to have a plan. You need to have a strategy and you've got to set some priorities. So we have lots of elected officials, so you can't necessarily build a relationship with all of them. So you need to target. Where do you think your biggest risk or your biggest opportunity is? Who's most likely um, to be helpful in that regards? And so for the purpose of this conversation, once again, we're going to talk probably largely about Congress. You know, so a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, you know, represents a set geographic area. Um, and so sort of a good place for a lot of business people, for business people or civic leaders to focus in on lots of risk, lots of opportunity from federal laws and federal legislation. And so develop a plan, you know, take it just like you would do any other business venture or say, let's say a fair that was going to open up a new venue or, you know, have something different in terms of what they're offering fair goers. You're going to do some research before you do that. You're going to test that out and see if it works or not. You know, you're not just going to leap in with both feet. So come up with a plan. The other thing is ask around. If, you know, if you're on the board of a fair and you've said, I don't know my member who represents us in the U.S. House of Representatives, talk to your friends. See if anyone has a personal relationship or a political relationship or a business relationship with that person and tell them you'd like to get to know that member of Congress better and could they make an introduction for you. So those are a couple things. Have a plan look for an existing relationship that you can dovetail in. But the next thing is engage. So let's say you've decided that you want to get to know your US, your US representative better. First thing is to start tracking. Begin looking at the newspaper, listening to the radio for opportunities to find out what that member of Congress is interested in. What do they talk about? What issues are at the top of their list? What, you know, when are they engaging in the local community? Start tracking them through media. Almost every member of Congress has a Twitter account. Almost all have a Facebook account. So start following them on social media. See what they're saying about issues in general and particularly pay attention to issues that you care about. Once you start learning a little bit about them and how you may relate to them, the next thing is reach out to their staff reach out to their staff in the district and introduce yourself. 
look for an opportunity to go in and meet with that staff person, either in their office or when they're doing, you know, rotating office hours at, you know, senior centers or community centers or chamber, local chambers of commerce, where those staff are out talking about what their boss is doing in Congress or where they may be doing listening sessions on issues. Go to those sessions, listen to what they're saying, go up after the session, introduce yourself. Look for opportunities to raise questions and talk about those issues. And then once you've sort of focused in on an issue that you care about, ask for a meeting with your member of Congress. Now, the first time or two, you, you may have to, you know, resort or, you know, settle for a meeting with staff, but eventually you should get a meeting with the member of Congress. There is absolutely no reason in the world that a member of Congress should not meet with one of their constituents. Now, if you're asking to meet with a member of Congress in the next district over, they may not meet with you. But if you're asking for a meeting with your member of Congress, eventually you ought to get that probably at home in the district. If you travel to Washington, probably a little harder to get there. But back home in the district, eventually you should get that meeting. So go in and talk about the issue you care about. You know, become a regular. Now, don't become a stalker, but become a regular. <laughs> And, you know, communicate with staff and listen, staff are critically important to what any member of Congress does. And um, so they're the ones who track all the issues in detail. They make recommendations to their boss about how to vote or how to respond. So don't ignore staff. Don't, you know, don't don't feel rejected because you're visiting with a member of staff. I have a quick question on that. Just remembering my experiences with Representative Blunt's local staff, his district staff, it seemed like he had specialists. I know he had one that was heavily weighted on agricultural issues, perhaps another that was weighted on more economic type issues. Does almost every representative have that kind of depth at the district level? Well, so members of Congress have a very limited number of staff. Oh, okay. The truth is they only have about the average number of staffers uh, for a member of the House of Representatives is 15. That's for both in-district staff and for their Washington staff. And so about half to two-thirds of those staff deal with policy, and they each have a huge portfolio. And what you want, and occasionally, you know, so if a member cares a lot about agriculture and they're on the agriculture committee, they might have one person who's largely focused on agriculture. But here's where the beauty of staff. They make it seem, even if they're responsible for 20 different major issue sets, they understand that when they're visiting with, with a agriculture fair, what's on your mind are agriculture issues. And they're gonna be conversant on it and they're gonna make it seem like to you that that's the only thing they do. And so uh, the staff are really amazingly uh, adroit at what they're able to cover and what they do for their bosses. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. That's a, that was something that's a little bit new to me in terms of the limited number. I think sometimes we think they have vast numbers of staff helping them. So they get a lot done. So, um, so let's say we get that meeting with an elected official. What's next so, after that? You know, Sir, you've got to make it worthwhile. You should go in and talk about a critical issue, something that's big to you or to your organization. And go in and talk to them about how it affects your organization, you know, what your organization does in the community. So like for a fair, you know, how many events do you sponsor a year? 
How many volunteers do you use? How many employees do you have? Um, how, you know, how does it affect the 4-H in the community? How does it affect the agricultural businesses in the community? Talk to them about the value of your organization and then talk about the issue and say, this is a risk. If this happens, this is how it's going to be negative and detrimental to what we do and why I would like for you to think about helping us on this issue. You know, I think it's always important. There may be times when you have to cry fire, but the truth is you need to be saying positive things too. You can't be the person or the organization that the only time you talk to the member or their staff is to criticize what they're doing. Sometimes it's important to contact them and say, hey, I see your boss voted like this today. I want to say that is very helpful to our community and our business interest. Tell your boss I said thank you. Or, you know, you see something they're working on. You, you've got good information on that, how that affects the community. Send that information to the staffer and say, here's something I thought might be useful to you as you consider how your boss may vote on this. Don't always be the critic. You know, congratulate them on what they're doing. Thank them. Build the relationship by doing what? Maintaining contact for being a resource to them and making sure that they know that you're an advocate for that issue in your area. This would, I think, also further the, the whole premise and idea that as fair leaders in our community, and I think almost everyone is involved and engaged with other civic groups and that type of thing, but having a real ear to the ground about everything that's happening within your community, looking beyond our own fences to make sure that, that we're well in tune with that and another great, great way to, to get that intel that could be shared back, back to our representatives. So, you know, I think it's important not just to know who that representative is, but that you know them, you know what they stand for, you know what they're doing and how it affects you. But it's also important that they become to know you. Now, look, they're not going to know every constituent in their district, but you, it's amazing how many people in a community that um, they do know. And sometimes they just know the first name. Sometimes they know it's Elizabeth from Monet. Sometimes they know it's Joe from Kabul. But, you know, you can get to know them. They can get to know you. And that's what you want them to do. You want that U.S. representative to go, look, that is Marla Calico calling from IAFE. And whenever she calls, I want someone to pay attention. And you want to develop that relationship and you want to get to that first name basis if you can, because that's what's going to make you and your organization effective in exercising your opportunities and mitigating that risk. Excellent. So how do we elevate that to that next level so that they're really aware of us? So, you know, the first thing we talked about was this engaging. And that's the first part of the elevate is you as a constituent, a representative organization, being in relatively constant contact regular contact with the member and their staff so they get to use you as a resource. You become a trusted resource. So that's the first thing. You know, the second thing is not comfortable for everybody, but it's something that a lot of leaders ought to think about, which is the political aspect. We're talking about elected officials and how do they get elected? They have to go through a campaign and they have to stand for a vote either every two years or every four years or every six years, depending what office they hold. And so, you know, one of the challenges to them is the political aspect. And so what, you know, business people do and what civic leaders often do is get involved in the politics. 
because that helps a elected official with what they have to do. And so the easiest way to do that is if you're already involved in politics, you know, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat or an independent, do that with individuals that you have a similar political leaning on. But often many business people and civic leaders are also pragmatic. It's not necessarily blue or red. It's, is that person helping you? Is that elected official being responsive to you and to your community of interest? And do you want to help them? And so the easy way to start is identify with their campaign organization and the election process that they go through and volunteer in some small way. Start out as a volunteer looking for opportunities to go in and help with the phone bank, put up yard signs, uh, go door to door, um, do those kinds of things. Be willing to host a meet and greet where other people that share your interests can get to know that person during the political season so they have an opportunity to reach out to them with their political message. And then you can step it up from there. If, you, you know, if it's comfortable for you and you find this is something that is paying off for you, then go to the next step. Become a donor to their campaign. Perhaps uh, offer to hold a fundraiser where in your neighborhood or in your community where you find people that are friends of your similar interests that are willing to contribute to that candidate. Look for opportunities. Maybe they have committees for their uh, campaign on different issues there. You know, it's not unusual for, you know, say someone in a rural community to have an agricultural advisory committee or a business leaders advisory committee volunteer for those groups and get involved in that. But then you're seeing on that other side of the equation too, you're not just over here as a constituent on the issue side, but you're also involved in the campaign. Those things pay off long-term, big time, if you're willing to engage that way and to elevate your relationship. Absolutely. And that makes perfect sense. But then comes the hard question. Uh, I've heard from a number of members that have said, but I can't afford to be partisan to show one or the other. And I think a lot that's a lot of concern in these very challenging times that we're facing. And whether it's the local environment or perhaps maybe even mandated if they're operated by say the county organization, what are some ways to, to kind of move through that particular troubling aspect? Well, so I think we are in you know a period of time that is highly polarized. You know, you see it at the congressional level, you see it at the state level, but quite frankly, it starts home in the community. Voters are highly polarized. But I think what people have to do is get beyond that. And I think, um, you know, you by identifying particular elected officials that you think can be most helpful to your organization, either a fair or a business, and looking at it pragmatically uh, and being able to justify why you're doing it. You know, I'm going to engage with this person because they're our best advocate at the federal level to make sure our fairs and festivals are healthy. You know, that's easy to explain. And you don't have to agree with an elected official on all their issues to be supportive of them. And quite frankly, you know, you don't have to be a hardcore R or hardcore D. You know, lots of people cross the aisle all the time to work with people. And you know, our, our lobbying firm is a bipartisan firm. We bring highly partisan Republicans and highly partisan Democrats. <laughs> we put together them on one team so they can be effective 
for our clients. That's what matters here every day is are we being effective as advocates for our clients? And so if you're a civic leader and you're trying to say, I'm representing an organization that has got some opportunities or facing some threats, then you just have to be brave enough uh, to figure out that you're going to do it. You're going to step forward and know how, why you, how you can explain it to people who may challenge you of why you're doing it. And if you're doing the right thing for your organization and for yourself, it shouldn't be hard to explain. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. So we're coming up close on our time. So we want to engage. We want, well, first of all, we want to make a plan. We've got to have that plan. We've got to do our intel on it. We want to get engaged. We want to elevate. Um, let's kind of wrap this up with tips and tactics on best way to communicate. You know, I think we're all inundated with email. Many of our representatives have form emails. Uh, sometimes we need to be talking to staffers. Is it a combination of all of the channels available to us or strictly pick up the phone? So, you know, letters are pretty much really old hat. You know, nobody sends very few letters get to members of Congress anymore or to any elected official because it's just, you know, security, one thing, but two, it's just not the, you know, the way we all communicate. So email is really um, one of the better ways to communicate with staff and with members. Uh, they do have, you know, you can go into the website, their governmental website and find that form email. And if you have no other choice, use those. Somebody reads all those, they tabulate them. Um, but generally, like for congressional staff, they all have individualized governmental emails. And with a little bit of um, work, you can find out what those emails are. And what you want to do is address those emails to the staff that deals with the issue you care about. So if you care about three issues, you may need to know the names of three different staff people and have their emails. Look, phone calls are still good. And sometimes I think people forget to pick up the phone. We've let, we've let uh, uh, telephones even become a thing of the past. But oftentimes picking up that telephone and calling a staff person and getting on the phone with them is still the best way to have a conversation about, particularly if it's a very timely decision that needs to be made about that issue. You know, um, if you can get cell phone numbers for members of staff, lots of young staff, text. And it's amazing how much lobbying we do by email and by text these days. And so those are all important ways to communicate. But in, you know, these are relationships you're building. And still, there is nothing better than one-on-one -on -one personal meetings with people, whether it's at home in the district in Washington or just catching them on the midway at a fair and having that plain old face-to-face -face conversation. That's fabulous. And one of the things we probably need to keep in mind, we need to be proactive and try to get our affair on their schedules, I would think. Absolutely. And politicians love fairs. <laughs> they do. Well, Greg, it has been a delight to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all that you have done to advocate on behalf of fairs and mobile amusement through your work. And uh, we appreciate you very much and look forward to seeing you down the road. Look forward to it. You know, our team loves fairs and outdoor amusement. Thank you for joining us for Marla by the Numbers, brought to you by eTix. To find out more about the IAFE and our members, please visit fairsandexpos.com or our Facebook page, IAFE The Network. <laughs>